Good morning, Richmonders. Welcome to another episode of RVA Dirt's Municipal Mania. This week, we sat down with two inspirational women who are doing good work in their communities and throughout the city as a whole. Advocacy means many things these days, whether you're stuffing backpacks for Richmond's children or rallying your neighbors to attend district meetings. It all matters. And these two ladies are working hard for what matters most to them. First up, we have Shonda harris Muhammad, founder of the Northside Coalition for Children, followed by Amy Wentz, a community advocate and resident of the 8th District. Turn up your volume so you can catch the messages these women are throwing your way. First of all, thank you for coming in today, Shonda. Yeah. Shonda Harris Muhammad. The yes. only Harris Muhammad on the ballot. Oh. <laughs> on the ballot. Ow, ow. <laughs> that was my favorite thing. I, I don't know. So if, if nobody so knows Shonda, it. we'll let her introduce herself. Um, but mm-hmm. she does some great uh, Facebook Live videos. And during the campaign, <laughs> that was one of the things she would say on the Facebook Live videos yep. was Shonda Harris Muhammad, the only Harris Muhammad on the ballot. One of our favorite things ever. Absolutely. Don't forget it. Ever, ever. Yeah, ladies, good evening. My girls, my trio, RVA Dirt, I just love you all. Shout out. I need for you all to donate to WRIR because what these ladies are doing and other ladies in the station are doing fabulous things. So even before we get into why Shonda Harris Muhammad is here and the things that I've been doing lately, I really need for people who listen to this radio station to donate. This is so critically important because RVA Dirt is truly about RVA Dirt, but they keep... They keep people informed when the people who are in in roles and things like that are not keeping us transparent. So please, please support WRIRRVA Dirt. These are my girls. But as you all know, I'm Shonda Harris Muhammad, the only one (laughs) white girls on the ballot. (laughs) (laughs) And it is an honor to be here this evening. Um, I'm a 25th year educator. I have two awesome children. I am married to my college sweetheart, Demetrius, um, who cooked dinner for me this evening. I love him so much. Good job, Um, (laughs) And so I have served in public office. I was on the Richmond School Board representing the 6th District and probably all other eight of them at some time, (laughs) at some point. But it was truly a joy and an honor to serve in that capacity. It's a lot of work, um, a lot of groundwork, but it was truly, truly a ministry. And I'm also founder and executive director of Northside Coalition for Children, whose only mission is to provide free school supplies to children in the Richmond area. And this is our 10th year. Oh, congrats. That's great. And to honor 10 years, we're going to distribute, the goal is 10,000 backpacks. Wow. So we need your help. And even with 10,000 backpacks, we have to put stuff Mm-hmm. in the 10,000 backpacks. That's right. So it's August the 4th at the Richmond Raceway, which is on East Laburnum Avenue, which used to be the old state fairgrounds for so many years. If you lived in Richmond for more than 10 years, then you should have been to the state fair. Um, and it starts at 9 for teachers. So one of the things that I do, ladies, is I provide free school supplies to teachers. They yep. get to come in for an hour. They get to bring one huge bag. Mm-hmm. It could be a trap. We don't weigh the bag. It's whatever size. The bag. You know, one year teachers are bringing this little old lunchbox. I'm like, you ain't going to be able to put much in that little lunchbox, baby. But you can bring a trash bag, whatever bag that they want. And they come in and they just go down the assembly line. We have had laptops, coffee pots. We give out um, copy paper. I mean, this is real stuff to teachers that they use. Dry erase markers. Dry erase markers, the dry erase those fluid. Are, those are coveted. Let me tell I'm you. I'm serious. They're, they're like scripture. <laughs> I okay. Know. 
pencils, <laughs> mechanical pencils. We give out blue, black, red ink pens. We give out easy graders. Mm. Um, we give out, um, oh my gosh, we give out borders. We've given out many dry erase boards like this right here. I mean, we give out so much stuff, crayons and all that. And then from 10 until 1, the doors are open for the children in any public school in the Richmond area. This is the first year that I'm opening up to Chesterfield, Henrico, um, Petersburg, whoever wants to come. Because we're commemorating 10 years, so why not? Yes. And I'm not, I, and I'm not asking for ID this year okay. or proof of residence. Wow. Um, but they do have to bring the child with them. Oh, absolutely. Because yeah, so that's don't. the purpose. I want to be able to see the children mm -hmm. get their backpack, right? So Yeah, so don't come up there getting 10 backpacks because right. you're not going to get them unless you got 10 children. I, absolutely. Ten Say children. that again. With you kids. have to have 10 children with not, don't uh -uh. give me this. No, not 10 children. 10 children. If you yeah, got 10, ten children, children, you, you got to have 10 children. You can't, children. you can't say, Miss Shonda, my nephew's cousin's sister mm -hmm. is at chilling in practice. They broke their leg. So can I get four backpacks for her? No, ma'am. Well, is there any way? that you can tell me the school and the grade and I would take the backpack to the school and I have done that mm -hmm. I have taken backpacks to schools when mm -hmm. families have given me the name I just need the child's name I don't need the address just the school and the grade level and I drop them off and that's one of the things that I love to do mm -hmm. just bring the children with y'all yeah don't, just don't bring have, the children don't, don't have yes. don't have Sean it's a really all good over. experience for them to see what you're doing absolutely you know and then it might inspire them early on um, into a career of volunteerism and community service community and service there's more than just the backpack there, yes. Right? yes. We we have barbers. Yeah. We have free dental haircuts. vans, free haircuts. We have dental vans. Mm -hmm. Um, we have Department of Social Services that is a vendor. Um, that come in. You know, just work with family. They stop by the table and see. You know, whatever they do, whatever they talk about. I don't get into it. Right. Mm -hmm. They're there for a reason. We have voter um, registration because that's what I've done in the past. Few yeah. Years. The registration. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. We have. Um, we used to do immunizations, but the health department got really, really strict on that. We have Head Start there, VPI, um, registering kids. E you know, even. The so IVPI programs and Head Start programs, they do have a dead stop date. Mm -hmm. But I always tell parents, you never know when you come to the rally what you will be able to put your child into. Mm -hmm. So even though you're coming for a backpack, if you want your child to go to an available day per daycare program, five kids might have dropped out by August the 4th. And you can get your child in that yeah, program before right. September the 5th. So it, it is a one-stop shop full of services for families in the Richmond area mm -hmm. um, that can come in. It's not all about backpacks. It's about networking, connecting families to other resources and services, mental health, mm -hmm. which is an issue that I think our society is really trying to compassionately address and embrace and embrace um and mental health is not just in one culture and it's all over the school system and we as educators not we don't necessarily know how to deal with that right and so we will have mental health resources there for families um privately to talk and so it's going to be an awesome day and i need people help to donate crayons notebook paper ink pens backpacks one subject notebooks folders with prongs um, that's very important. And these are things that um, are on students' school supply list anyway, right? Mm -hmm. And so the items that I give them on the first Saturday in August, no, they will not last till June. Right. But it will last them till December. And then we just stock up again. So let's try to get them through the half, you know, the midpoint, yeah. halfway point, and then work it out. In December. And bring teacher goodies. Teachers. My mom's a teacher. Yes, bless her and heart. Teacher, yes, she's a middle school teacher. She needs bless all it. the prayers. Oh. All of them. Mm. But listen, teachers 
are probably the most forgotten, hardest working professionals out there. And so if you can't bring school supplies that teachers may need because they are expensive, them them dry race markers and something else. But you might see an expiring mug with something on it for a teacher or, you know, every teacher wants that token apple on their desk. Bring teacher goodies in too because those go a mile when a teacher's having a bad day. Absolutely. And she's got that free mug that she picked up. At the yep. back of school rally. <laughs> yes. And she can look at it and say, okay, I'm not going to walk out on my job no. today. Somebody cares about me. Somebody, Somebody cares about me. me. I'm Because t- I need those. Mm-hmm. I-, I do have Thin notes. 101 scripture notes for teachers on my desk. And it, I just, mm-hmm. it's reusable. I mean, it's mm-hmm. 365 days. Mm-hmm. And so just to tell you this, this short story, this one young lady um, who was not a student of mine, but somehow the assistant principal said, I need for you to watch her for me, Miss Harris Muhammad, and never came back to get her. Oh, dear. So... <laughs> It was stuck with me. We're not going to talk about what school that was in. Right. No, we're not. And so um, we continued to build a relationship, and um, and it was rough. But And so one day, she lost her mother two years ago to um, a heart attack. And so one day, I had whatever day it was in April, the teacher scripture was on my little thingy that Mm -hmm. day and it was something about moms and and teachers right and so she wrote her name above the quote I did not realize it until the end of the day that she wrote her name above the quote and then drew an arrow to M-O-M I sat at my desk and I was like oh my god so this is why I this is why I do what I do every day is because of young people like this. That was her way of saying you're making a difference in my life. You know, she couldn't articulate it. She would make me cuss every day mm, I had her it. with me. But that <laughs> all of that eight letter words that I would use, that little arrow that she drew to mom. Mm-hmm. And her name above it made the difference for me. Mm. Because I'm like, okay. I am making a difference in her life. So I was a bit emotional, but this is why I do what I do because um, I was in second grade and, you know, I don't know why my mom sent me to school on the first day of school in second grade with no school supplies. I, I don't know. I'm sure my mother probably had them somewhere, but was like, look, the teacher's going, I don't know. And so I remember the second grade teacher saying to me when I asked for pencil and paper, your mama didn't give you no school supplies today. Mm, wait a minute. Mm-mm. And I remember the feeling that I had Mm -hmm. that day when she said that out loud in second grade. And that has stuck with me. And I'm 45 years old. Yeah. And for the, I mean, for all of my adult life, I remember that second grade teacher saying that to me. And I'm like, this is why I do what I do. Mm -hmm. I didn't want to be a teacher. I wanted to be a six-star general. And it ain't no such thing. Okay. Yeah, there's no such thing. I was gonna. Um, I was gonna. You was gonna make. I was gonna make it. 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 I'm. I was gonna make a six star general up. But that was my goal was to go into to the military, the army. I failed the ass bad three times. Oh dear. Yeah, God said that ain't for you. You got. You got to teach. So wasn't your blessing. It was not. And and plus, six star general is not real. So that's okay. It's everything is possible. It is with God. Absolutely. So I've been in education 25 years. I'm just a, I'm just a light-skinned girl from Cuckoo, Virginia. And that is a place, and it has nothing to do with my personality, Jesse, okay? <laughs> <laughs> That's because I'm from Cuckoo does not mean I'm Cuckoo. So I just wanted to... everybody out there. Yeah, I just wanted it, to put... It's saying. <laughs> just want to put that disclaimer out there. Um, and so my grandparents always instilled in me that education was possible and that community service was necessary. And so... That's how I got in public office, because my grandparents, being a part of the Louisa County branch of the NAACP all of their lives, Mm -hmm. even when they both passed, they had honorary membership, like, you know, 
lifetime membership. Um, and I remember standing at the lodge during um, election time. And, you know, back then they didn't mind little kids handing out, you know, the ballot. You know, it wasn't as strict. Yeah. 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 And so I would just be handing out stuff. And my grandmother used to say, no, 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 no. You got to go to that person over there. No, 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 no. no. You got to go. Over there. I ain't know a Democrat. Bro. I would just hand the stuff, you know. Mm-hmm. And so at a very early age, I was involved in community service. And so, th- you know, that's how I got into public office because of community service, just using that as a avenue to help people. It was not a part of my five-year plan. Even this nonprofit wasn't a part of my not, you know, five-year to 10-year plan, but mm-hmm. look at what it has done for people in our family. So isn't yes. that just a blessing? It is. And that's how I met the three of you. It's a ministry. It is. It's a ministry. <laughs> that's mm-hmm. how I met all of you. Yeah. And I think, honestly, um, so we met when I was running for school board. Yes. And I think I've told so many people this story, but if you ever Google the name Shonda Harris Muhammad, mm-hmm. you will find a lot of different stuff, um, a lot of different perspectives, yeah. some of them more positive, some of them very negative. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And someone who I was coming into the city and trying to find out, like, who are all of these people, you know, my initial impression about Shonda was very negative. And a lot of it was based off of media coverage. Mm. And that was one of the first times, you know, as we were sitting next to each other. And I think the most interesting thing to me was um, at the Northside Town Hall, where Mm -hmm. actually Melissa and I met in person for the first time. Um, I was sitting next to Shonda, and they also had the city council candidates up, like, at the same time on stage. Right. It was such and a We all three met that time. That was the That's first right, time we, we all three met at that Oh, wow. Event. And wow. I remember that the uh, one of the council people from the 6th District made a comment about investment that was coming to the area. And I thought it was really interesting to me that I saw Shonda take notes about that, which I was sitting there, and I'm like, they, they don't talk? as much like what's the communication breakdown and you know first of all as you keep listening and I, that was the first moment where I'm like you know maybe I need to like pause and, and reevaluate some of this dynamic first of all between city council and school board but also about individual candidates and who they are and you know when you start to stop and you listen to what people actually say and you start to understand the bigger picture of things just because how they say it it's not that they're wrong and sometimes I think that there's a lot of local coverage and people that like to portray things that way. Mm-hmm. And it was probably one of the first moments where I realized and things that kind of were on the sequence of like starting RVA Dirt of really seeing there's such a lack of information out there in Richmond. And, you know, if we still have the problem today where we have city council and school board and the mayor and the communication issues that come there and hopefully the education compact helps with some of that communication by having regular meetings but it's really astonishing to me and that was one of the moments where mm-hmm. it was definitely a double take of like what what is hmm. what is really happening here and start to mm-hmm. peel back some of those layers mm-hmm. and I think you know listening and researching and figuring it out for yourself sometimes instead of just reading what are the sound bites that made it because that's a big thing it's Shonda said a lot of things that are definitely things that will get people to open a, an article mm-hmm. and if you take them completely out of context yeah. People can get upset about them, but there's reality. And if people don't like to deal with reality sometimes. They do not. And that's it's unfortunate. And, um, you know, I didn't get into and, and thank you for those comments, Jesse. Um, and I've always told people, you know, you want to get to know someone from yourself. You're going to have to sit down and have a conversation. Mm-hmm. And one of the best types of conversations, really, if you really want to get to know someone is just walk up to them and get them off. I mean, just just go up to them and see how they're going to react. Yep. Right. And so not the schedule. Let me get with you over coffee, because no. now we're rehearsing what we're going to say. That's right. So people have often asked me, how is it that you you have a conversation with me 
on your feet? And I said, because I'm always ready. I, I don't have anything. You know, it, it depends. Either I can answer it or I can't. Mm-hmm. Right. And so if I can answer it, I'm going to do the best that I can. If I can't answer it, I'm going to say, you know, I can't even get into that right now. Mm-hmm. And so I'm not politically correct. Um and probably never will be politically correct. <laughs> I just believe in transparency. That's I do okay, girl. I do believe in providing people with real-time information as real-time as I can get it, right? Mm-hmm. So you can make the decision that you want to make after you have all of the information. Now I'm going to give you a little bit, then let's make the decision. I want you to want me to want you so I can you can you know be behind me. I'm just going to give it to you. Right. And so a black, strong spirited who's not afraid of who she is, that wear red stilettos and red lipstick and all different type of glasses. I'm very comfortable in the skin that I am. Y'all know I got 14 different pair of glasses. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so I'm very comfortable in the skin that I am. But it took some time, though, Mm -hmm. because I'm a rape victim. I have been molested. I have been a part of domestic violence. So people got to, you know, just like a story has peelers Mm -hmm. a person has peelers right so you gotta be mindful what you say about people just because you don't like what comes out their mouth or what they stand for what they vote for or how they vote there is always there has all and I remember saying this to you Jesse there's always a reason behind the way that I vote there's always you know when I was serving in public office so I just really appreciate that um because that you know I knew that people had made their um opinions of me based on what the media coverage was going on at that time. I would even say assumptions. Mm-hmm. Assumptions, time. yeah. But mm-hmm. also, I was the only educator on the school board. Which is ironic. But So I had first-day knowledge, everyday knowledge of how a school is supposed, how a school should be run. And, how, and how it is at, in actuality. Yeah, yeah, how it is in actuality. It's yeah. intimidating to people who aren't um, as informed yeah, or experienced it with it. Um, and, you know, intimidation sometimes breeds uh, misinformation. It does. Just jealousies. like... I don't know radio, right? Mm-hmm. So that could be a little intimidating. But what when you don't know something, just sit back and observe. Mm-hmm. Yep. Ask, ask questions. Ask right. twice. Ask questions, and 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 this is why I push so much for our families to be involved through Northside Coalition for Children, connecting them through other resources so they can be in a know. Um, because you just can't. We're, we're dealing with families that are not reading the paper, right? We're dealing with families that are really getting their nine one one and four one one from social media, and it depends on what day and what's popping at that time of the day is the information that you get, right? right. So you really have to talk to people that are going to give you some valuable, some um, some really good information, and then you can, you know, make your decision based off that. I, I don't I don't make decisions because of the cliques that are forming in the in, in the community or in the world. I make decisions based on what's best for me and my family. And then also the the great grandmother who's raising for her great grandsons because their parents, you know, three of the boys have different fathers. It's it's really weird, one of my neighbors and and so she's making decisions for those boys, mm-hmm. right? Two of them are out of school or high school two of them are not and so sometimes when she's walking past our home she if if I'm outside she'll ask me Mm -hmm. she knows that I'm no longer on the school board but she will ask me yeah do I know about this and sometimes I've said no but I'm gonna find out for you grandma and I'm gonna come down and let you know or I'm gonna let so-and-so know don't want to say his name but I let your grandson know or I will go down and tell her so I always look at it this way people do trust 
the information that I'm going to go seek for them. And they know that I'm going to do right by them. And so the more that, you know, I said this to someone, someone said, um, it was actually on social media. Would you be relevant without social media? I was like, yeah, I would be. Cause I'm, I've been super dope before. <laughs> right? Social media. I was super dope before public office. I was super dope in public office. I'm super dope now. Boom. So yeah, I would be relevant. I'm relevant because I know who I am. And I know the ministry, Francis, as you said, I know the ministry of my life. So all of this comes back to how do I get here? Public education. My grandparents said that I was going to go to go to school, go to college. That was something they did not do. I did. And then they said, you must be involved in community service. They didn't say public off. You know, they just said you have to be involved in your community. And so that's what I've been doing all of my life. I think it's really important. You know, something I actually, when I started, decided to run for office, I was talking to someone who's been a lobbyist for years and years and mm. years. And they're more in like the DC and everything area. And I thought it was interesting because he's a black man that advocates for corporate causes mm-hmm. a lot of the time. And mm-hmm. there's a very big disparity between typically, you know, who he works for and what he might believe. And I just asked him, like, how do you reconcile this? Yeah. And the best advice was probably before you do anything, you have to find your authentic voice and understand really who you are, because there are things and ways he was willing to approach things that were completely different. And there are things he knew that he was not willing to do. Mm-hmm. And I think that was one of the big things for me of understanding for a campaign. And I can hear it from you is, is you understand who you are yeah. and you own who you are you own it and you own that voice and you yeah. use that to empower not just yourself but your community which yeah. is a really great thing and some people are threatened by that that authentic voice that you have because it's not a voice um so ladies two of the things i am very most proud of in my life is being able to recognize who i am and having my authentic voice mm-hmm. and not having to buy that from someone else and so i've I always tell kids i always tell students there are two educations in this world one that you are learned and one that you learn yourself yeah. and the one that you learn yourself is the one that's going to be more valuable to you because you that is the one that you put the effort behind that is the one that you put the work behind not the one that people give you Right. Mm -hmm. But the one that you learn yourself and I and I raise my children that way. And so that's why I am Shonda Harris Muhammad and will always be because there's only one Harris Muhammad that I know of. Shonda, as a matter (laughs) of fact. But, you know, what what makes me, you know, I just I really love what I do. And I know I'm comical about it sometimes. But at the end of the day, it is truly about the children. It is not about big people for real. But but some big people make it about themselves because of their own agenda and what they have at stake because of what was behind that agenda but I, I don't I don't step out there like that I don't I don't I don't get into these these I owe you because I need either you are gonna donate to this back to school rally because you think and you believe is the right thing to do or you're not and and I just go with it like that 10,000 backpacks need to be stuffed so how can people make donations to you they can go to www.northsidecoalitionforchildren.com and there is a donate link. I'm on all social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Um, you can um, inbox me, you can message me, and they can also reach out to you guys. Yep. You all will be getting school supplies. Also, you always have done that, and I appreciate that. So there are multiple ways they can do it. They can also have them shipped, excuse me, shipped to Richmond Raceway, care of Megan Hazard for a back-to-school rally, and she has a room that she's putting all the school supplies in. We are going to try to serve every family in St. Luke's Village mm-hmm. on August the 4th and on that quarter of East Laverna because they have been missed. Okay. Yeah. And um, can... 
Do you need anybody to donate their time? To oh my gosh, yes. we're gonna be there. We are stuffing oh backpacks on August the first yes. at six thirty at the Raceway. Okay. And August the second at the Raceway in the main building. They mm-hmm. donated their space to me. Um, and dinner is provided. I always feed dinner. Yes. I mean, I always feed people meals when they come and volunteer. And last feed them year breakfast. it was yummy. Just FYI, it was amazing. <laughs> so you're gonna want to go. <laughs> so Lee's Chicken, Olive Garden, um, Miss Girlies by Miss Helen Holmes. They are they are sponsoring Miss Helen Holmes of Miss Girlies is donating. Yeah. yeah, she is sponsoring the Thursday dinner. Um, Olive Garden, Lee's Chicken, and Zagby's is um, sponsoring the Wednesday dinner and Panera Bread um, along with um, um, the donut place by the Governor School. Oh yeah, sugar shack. Sugar, yeah. They are providing light refreshments for Saturday morning. Yeah. Um, oh yes, donuts. Networks always yes. Relationships through mm-hmm. networking is important and not burning a bridge, hmm. even even though you don't dis, you know even though you don't agree on everything, right? Yeah. But these these companies that I mentioned, along with Walmart and Target, who have donated tons of stuff, they all know me. They all they you know they watch the news, right? Mm-hmm. They watch the news for years, but. They always said, we know you. That's it. We know you, Shonda. And so what is it that you need? Just send me a letter and I got you. So to God be the glory for that. Thank you very much, first of all, for everything you do. Thank you, Jesse. I love the show and for being you. (laughs) Jesse, you know, you're my sister from like four different mothers, you know. (laughs) (laughs) And the two of you, oh my gosh, you all are so super dope. Ladies, doing a darn thing. Happy we to try. have you in our oh, community. Yep. Thank you. Six district represent. Yep. Yeah. Thank you so very much. So we we'll an awesome see what job. The future. Everything thank you. you touch, you make sure that it's absolutely it's blessed. And that's a that's important. And I think that's something that we don't necessarily get to see with a lot of elected officials, right. whether it's school board or city mm-hmm. council, you know, not only say to work, but you about to work. Yeah. And that is not common. So we thank you and appreciate you. Thank you for you. being uncommon. Yeah. Oh, girl. <laughs> I'm from Cuckoo. Ain't nothing common about Shonda. Ain't nothing common about Shonda Harris Muhammad because I was what? The only, only Shonda, Shonda Harris on Harris the violin. Yes, awesome. There's a place in your heart, and I know that it is love. Much brighter than tomorrow And if you really try You'll find there's no need to cry In this place you feel there's no hurt or sorrow There are ways to get there If you care enough for the living Make a little space Make a better place Heal the world You are in the middle of another riveting episode of RVA Dirt's Municipal Mania, recorded right here in the studios of WRARLP 97.3 FM Richmond Independent Radio.
Our next guest today is the lovely Amy Wentz. Hey, girl. Hey. Welcome. Thank you. Welcome. Thank you for coming. Uh, so first of all, you want to tell everybody who you are. Hi, yes. I am Amy Wentz, uh, also known as Mimi, the other Mimi. Um, I grew up in Richmond, Virginia, in the 4th District, actually over near Fisher Elementary School. Went to... Uh, John B. Carey, Fisher, Thompson, Huguenot High School, graduated from Huguenot, and then I went to the military. So I was gone away for, I left for a little while and came back to Richmond and built a house on our lovely 8th District South Side. So I am uh, a longtime Richmonder, love all things Richmond, and I'm thankful to be on the show. We're thankful you're here too. Yeah. Happy to have you. So you're involved in a lot of different things in your community, um, but one of the things most recently you've been involved in is the historic district expansion in Manchester, the Blackwell area. Um, so if you want to kind of give some background on like what that is and maybe, you know, how you got involved with it and where it is today. Yeah. So, okay. So I'm pretty active in the 8th district, as you guys know. I attend pretty much uh, every district meeting and um, a lot of the association meetings just to kind of keep keep in tune to what's going on in the area. Mm. And um, in this particular case, I just happened to be talking to a neighbor who was an adjacent property owner to the proposed historic district who received a letter. And at that point, I didn't really know anything about the historic district ex um, expansion, the proposal. She just said, hey, look, the meeting is at 445 on Monday, and I'm not going to be able to go to it because I, I'm going to be at work. Um, a lot of people know that I work from home, so my schedule's a little flexible, so I said I would go for her. This was the only public hearing that they had to have uh, for the historic district, so there is a current historic district already in Manchester that's kind of like Bainbridge, Porter Perry, like that area um, that was created in 2002. So this was just a proposal to expand it into the Blackwell area. Um, what this does is kind of gives an area a sense of pride. They're able to um, record the history of the area, and that's one of the biggest things that uh, they focus on when they're talking about the historic districts. Um, DHR, which is the Department of Historic Resources, um, facilitates the program, and someone can nominate an area based on contributing homes um, within the area, and there's some criteria in order to be a contributing home. So in this particular case, uh, they were having the the public hearing and I went to the meeting and I at this point I went to the meeting not thinking that there was anything normal I'm just like okay let's just go and check out check out she had some concerns written down that I had asked so one of the things was that they were calling it Manchester Historic District 2018 his, uh, expansion mm. and so folks were kind of curious is if it's expanding into Blackwell like why wasn't the Blackwell name you know mentioned or used and so that was one of the first questions that was asked at that meeting is like what what's up with the name Blackwell why can't that be incorporated and they were saying that they wanted to kind of predate the Blackwell error because you know Blackwell came around in like 1910 I think the, the the name change came about with the Blackwell projects that that were uh, erected um, but prior to that of course it was Manchester City so they were trying to take it back and so you know I think folks from the audience were kind of explaining to them that just because uh, it was Manchester longer doesn't mean that when it was Blackwell it wasn't as important. I think DHR, as well as the firm that was set up to do the research, understood the concern, and so they agreed to 
changed the name to Blackwell Historic District. So that was kind of a, a win for the community. It's like, oh, okay. And, uh, but that was a little easy. So I was like, what, what, what else is going on here? So as we got further and further into the meeting and they were explaining things, um, I just, you know, it just kind of bothered me that like, wait a minute, there, th this can't be it. This can't be like the only meeting that happens before a decision is made on something so important. Um, and as you know, in other areas of town where historic districts, you know, have been created, a lot of rehabs happen. Folks are able to use the historic tax credit in order to leverage um, rehabs on homes. It kind of lures investors in. Yeah. But the way the program is set up is you have to have an income generating business or property. So you can't, like if I was, you know, Grandma Johnson and I wanted to, you know, get my home fixed up, but I'm on a fixed income. I'm not paying any taxes. I don't really have a business running out of my home. There's nothing I couldn't apply for it. So it's basically there to leverage, to get to get um, investors to come in and to kind of uh, redevelop the area, redevelop the area, redevelop the blighted homes. Um, and I think that there's a lot of people in that community that are excited to see that happen. I, I don't think that necessarily there were a lot of people that were just opposed to it in general. I think it was just the fact that I came in realizing that this is something that I go to all the meetings and I've never heard anybody mention it. I never, I didn't hear anybody from the community mentioning it, like at the different little, you know, water holes, whatever mm -hmm. areas that we congregate. Nobody, none of the churches were saying anything about it. And there, there's some historic churches in that area. First Baptist, I mean, that's super historic. Um, nobody was really from the community was saying anything about this. So I was like, wait a minute, let me, let me let's just go back and let's see what, what happened here. So one of the things that I just um, wanted to note is that I am definitely not against historic districts. I'm not against um, rehabbing of blighted homes. I think that that is, you know, those are things that the community itself are are excited about having there. Um, but there just was some things that they didn't do that they should have done. Mm -hmm. And that well, it was, sounds like when the community isn't talking about it, they might not know about it oh, no. or be involved in it. And my concern would always be uh, if the community doesn't know about it, they're not talking about it, then how are they going to get access to be able to be part of the revival of the area? Mm -hmm. Because if, if there are people that are coming in, I see it in my area in Barton Heights and in North Barton Heights specifically, the number of developers that come in and, and flip a house and then move on. Mm -hmm. But then there's also some very local people mm -hmm. that also can get access to it. Right. So it's it's not about being against a historic district or for a historic district. It might be, is it more being in favor of community involvement? Right. So let me, I'm going to read this to you guys. And this is, uh, so after after that meeting, I called um, my council person, Reva Trammell, just to let her know, you know, my concerns with the fact that like out of <laughs> you know, a hundred or so people that I know in that area, like no one even knew that this was even going on. So I just, I was concerned because I was like, you know, Reva, this is, this is something important. People really need to know about this. Mm -hmm. So I was doing some research on the DHR website and I came across, um, basically, uh, a, the, the information about nominations. And it says, before any work commences on a historic district nomination, so before anything before the process even starts, okay? DHR strongly recommends that local proponents begin comprehensive outreach efforts to all owners within the proposed district. So all owners being, you know, all the homeowners, not just a portion, not just right. a small area, but all of them. And it gives actual specific um, examples, newspaper articles, one-on-one -on -one conversations, door-to-door -door canvassing, websites, other outreach methods are appropriate at this phase. It is important to gauge the support of property owners for the proposed district 
district and to assess how knowledgeable owners already are of the National Register and VLR. If proponents discover a general lack of understanding about how the program works, then it may be necessary. Okay, so then if you if you if you're out there doing your work and you're realizing that people don't really know what a historic district is, they don't really understand, then it gives you additional <laughs> instructions on then it may be necessary to prepare educational materials that explain the historic district, um, as well as they have some information about public meetings and these are not the public hearing that I went to, but this is before commencing the survey phase of the nominations preparation. So that is my, that's my biggest, that's my gripe, that's my complaint, that's the reason why I felt like I needed to get involved with this because I just felt like the entire neighborhood just didn't know. Mm -hmm. And if my, if my leader didn't know, and then the neighboring, um, there, so, so the historic district actually encompasses uh, pieces of Allen Robertson's, uh, Parker's, as well as Reva's districts. If they didn't know about it that was a concern for me so um so anyway so that's why I got involved um I began going door to door just to just to see if people even got the letter and so once I figured out that there were a lot of people that didn't even get the letter and these aren't people like no offense to millennials but a lot of millennials you know we get our mail we put it to the side and we might check it <laughs> once every two weeks yeah. these are these are folks uh miss johnson yeah. you know she's checking her mail every day at 2 15 and she's opening every single thing <laughs> she knows her mailman <laughs> she knows her yes. mail and mrs johnson is saying i didn't get a letter and that's the problem so i will say that dhr has been really good after we um miss uh Ms. Julie Langen, she's the director over there. After we shared our concerns with this process with her, she definitely sat down with a lot of community leaders and um, they're going to create a checklist where they get with proponents to, to check off things like, so, you know, how's your community engagement going this month? You know, what what concerns are you hearing? Are, is there educational materials that need to go out so that districts that happen after this one, you know, will get a little bit better attention to them. Um, but in this case, so let me see, let me back up. So we went door to door just to see if people had the letter, realized that there were a lot of folks that didn't have the letter, didn't really know about it. And unfortunately, all of those things that I just read are only strong recommendations. So it's not like DHR could say, okay, we're going to move the meeting because those things weren't met. Those That wasn't state code, it wasn't state law. But there was a line in the state code that I shared with the uh, DHR folks that you know concerned me. And one of them was about the public hearing that I had went to. And it says, the public hearing shall be for the purpose of supplying information, excuse me, additional information to the board. The time and place of such hearings shall be determined in consultation with the duly authorized representative of the local governing body. So that, you know, the fact that the council folks weren't in on that public hearing, mm. you know, that, that was, to me, it kind of toted the line a little bit on whether the state code was actually met. Well, in, in state code, you know, if, if it says shall, that's a mandate. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's not right. something that someone can skate. Anytime you see the word shall, that is the, a That's directive. It. That's, That's it. how it should be done. So to hear that <clears throat> a council person wasn't aware of it, and were there council people, I guess, at the meeting? No. So there was no um, council representation at the public hearing. And it's also important to note, so so DHR and Reva and I think Ellen um, and maybe Parker, after we made light of this, they did have some community meetings where folks came. But it's important to note that only the public hearing is recorded. Only at that meeting is when um, those concerns and questions are provided to the board. So any other additional meetings that they hold just, you know, to help folks understand are not for the record. So that concerned me too, because there was a lot of great feedback and a lot of questions that were coming up at these additional meetings that the board is was never going to be aware of. So, um, and then... Uh, 
the rest of the sentence said that it shall be scheduled at a time and place that will be reasonably allowed for attendance of the affected property owner. So how do you know when a reasonably good time is without even talking to them or talking to their leaders? So 4.30 in the afternoon, you know, might not have been the best time to get a maximum participation from the area. Moving forward, um, so they did decide, so Julie, Miss Langan actually decided to pull this nomination from the July board hearing, which was supposed to be, excuse me, June 20th board meeting. And the next board meeting is in September. And I think it's the 21st, I think. I have to go back and look. Um, But it's going to be in Petersburg, which is closer. So the original meeting was supposed to be in Westmoreland County, which is another thing that was like a little roadblock. It's like people couldn't even really get to that meeting. That's like two hours away. That's That's in the the middle of the day. My house. Yeah. It was like in the middle of the it day. It was at eight thirty in the morning. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So I just knew yeah, no. that there wouldn't be a lot of participation there. The <clears throat> the key for us now though is so what we're doing now is we're doing some research on similar um, areas that have similar demographics, so similar median incomes, similar racial makeup of the neighborhood to see how it how creating these districts affected the neighborhood. And um I mean, one of those is, you know, Manchester right now. Like, that was 2002, so it's not hard to go back and look at census data from 2000. And 2002 is when the historic district happened. And then, so 2010 census, you know, if you compare the two and compare um, which properties actually uh, got historic credits to rehab and who was living in those homes prior and who's living them now. I mean, it's not hard to, to tell that there were some changes. And I think that people might be okay with those changes, but it's 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 up to them. It's not up to a developer. It's not up to a, the leader. It's not up to me as a community advocate. It's up to the homeowners. And so they have to know in order to be able to make that choice for themselves. I think something that concerned me a lot when I was reading about just everything that kind of came out from from the meetings that you went to and the information that became public afterward was towards the end of it, I think one of the most recent articles that I read in Richmond Times-Dispatch was saying that the developer who was really pushing for this process made the statement that they're basically pulling out some massive number of an investment. Mm-hmm. And to me, you know, as somebody who is watching property values around my house go up and up and up and, you know, my neighborhood is absolutely, I, I kind of joke, I think I accidentally moved into the whitest block of Northside. <laughs> um, it, it's not very, for something that is very a historically black area, it's not very diverse anymore. And for me, you know, it, it's really sad to see that a developer would go to a place where as soon as, if it gets delayed a month or two months, that it impacts their financial investment. So I'll speak on that a little bit. So you know, just to be fully transparent, when I went to this original meeting on the letter that went to um, this adjacent property owner that I represented, um, it just said DHR. So at this point, when I went to the meeting, I didn't know that there was any developer or any other entity involved. Um, one of the one of the presenters at the meeting was from a research firm that was hired, and he said that we were hired to do this nomination. And the question was asked, "Well, who 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 hired you?" And I mean, I actually was shocked because I really thought that maybe that was the state that did that, but. Why would, you know, the state doesn't have all this money to do that. So I'm like, I was a little naive. No, but when they, they, they said, need the money for the bachelorette. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That wasn't me, by the way. I have no I have no uh, feelings about that, by the way. Um, so, okay. So, 
so he said that they were hired by the Hills. And, um, you know, at that point, you know, Michael Hill wasn't wasn't there, um, but his wife was. And so I didn't even know that the Hills were involved until that that point. So this was not me, like, you know, going, you know, to be against anyone. You know, I think you guys know I'm I'm a pretty, I'm a South Side rider. Like anything coming to the South Side, things happening, I'm excited about. So I knew that they were having some ventures that were in the South Side that I was pretty excited about. So my whole thing was just being a little concerned that um, certain pockets or areas were getting information and others were being neglected from that information. So, you know, they have the, I think it's called Manchester Alliance Group. And then um, Parker sent me an email and told me that there had been a lot of discussions, I think, for about eight months with members of his portion of the district. And I wish I had the map here so I could kind of show you how little there's a little part of Swansboro that's that's in it as well. And so that actually made me a little bit more sad because I was like, okay, at first I thought just nobody was getting information, but now I'm finding out that there were pockets of folks that were being involved and were getting the information. And I just felt like, you know, just like the their um, directions say that it's it has to be all all owners. So another thing too with that is um, the renters. So the a lot of this program like feedback, the letters of opposition, or letters of support only really count if it's from a homeowner. So a lot of the renters in the area don't really get a say or don't really get to put any any input that really has value in the decision of the board. Um, and there are a lot of renters over there. And so one of the things that was concerning for me was like one of the rehabs that that was completed in the area. I mean, beautiful work. Like I, I'm not gonna sit act like you know, it's not a good thing that blighted homes are being redeveloped and adding more value to the neighborhood because that's just not the case. I mean, this these homes are beautiful that they're redoing. So they turn it into a duplex and it was $1,500 for 1,000 square feet on mm. either side. And so it's just like, and this is on Boston Avenue. And What's the like, standard rental amount in that area? I would say between six and $800. It ain't, ain't oh, $1,500. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, no. Well, and then in in yeah, so there so I met a couple. Of, I met a gentleman there. I'm not gonna say his name, but he owns 14 homes in the area, and um, and he was telling me about his rent prices, and I was just like, wow, we still have rents that are that, you know, reasonable in the city. But he was like, but if they are going up. I'm going up, you know what I mean, and so that's that's a concern that that's folks, what's going to happen, right? Push and people out, and that's the, that's the concern that folks have in the neighborhood, and so I think to combat that, I think one of the things that the Hills had said in their presentation at the Blackwell Civic Association meeting, which was held after the public hearing, when we kind of pushed for some more engagement, one of the things that he was like, well, we're not pushing people out because we're we're rehabbing the homes that are already vacant like there's nobody in them I just I did I don't think that they understood that by him by them raising their rents that the other owners around are going to start doing the same thing so I think that it was it's important for me that they understand and others understand that this number one when homeowners or or folks in the neighborhood or just people who care about the neighborhood have concerns and questions about something it is not an attack and i think that was one of the things that was very in- unfortunate about the interaction between the community and and the and mr hill was that um you know, the correspondent that I got from his associate was just like, we just want to know why people are so angry and, you know, why people are, we just want to get rid of the misunderstandings and the hate. And it's like, wait, what? Like, nobody hates anyone. Nobody's angry. People, people just asking questions. People are just asking questions. Trying to understand. Right. And I think people start getting angry when those questions and their voices aren't 
aren't taken into consideration. And I think that that's one of the biggest things. So to, to your point about the article, what, what I would have loved that article to say was local developer, it could have even said the Hills, sit down for three months with the community to talk about their plan for Blackwell and move forward with their $250 million investment. Like that would have been the headline that I would have loved to see, that the community would have loved to see, um, because that would have just shown that you really are invested in the in the area. And, and want their input. And want their input. Well, people over profit. Right, right. Because so one of the things. But you can have both. You can have you both. You can have both, but really people first. People first. And it says that the program are designed to recognize historic resources and to um, encourage their continued preservation. One of the things about that is like, yes, the buildings are important. The history is important. But people are important, too. And the and the people in this city are the, more, the, the most important thing. And so I think. Those concerns from community members. Well, one of them is, you know, just the the, t- the taxes. So as the home values are going increasing, taxes are increasing, and I know that they they talked about senior, you know, the senior programs that they have with the city, which are great programs for seniors to be able to get some tax exemption. Um, but there were seniors that I spoke to that didn't qualify, and one of the reasons why is because you can't qualify the, for the program if you're in arrears. So say you owe like five years and you know that six years when they really start putting the hammer down so you make sure that you're always one year ahead but you still have that five years behind you um a lot of folks can't afford to just do a whole five-year payment and then you know also pay the fee to set up the the uh the exemption. So that was one of the things that I heard from community members, like they don't qualify for it because they just can't get ahead enough to be able to pay the arrearage. The other thing is you you can only get it if you're the sole owner on the home or if both of the owners on the home or all the owners on the home qualify for the program. So for instance, if my grandfather left, you know, my grandmother a home and also my my father and he doesn't qualify, then if the both of them are on the deed, then they can't get the exemption. So there's programs out there, but everybody doesn't qualify. And we just need to make sure that we're taking care of them. And there's other cities that have been able to successfully legislate their way through some of these issues by helping people who have been in homes for a certain amount of time. Maybe it's not the age requirement, but maybe if you've been in a certain community for a certain amount of time, maybe you have some type of abatement or, you Mm -hmm. know, there's, but we are at the time now where City leaders, city council members have to get serious about putting forth, you know, ordinances that protect the citizens. Because at this point, there's so many, so many protections for everyone else, and there's just not enough. Um, protecting the people who've really made a commitment to stay. And, and who uh, voted you into office. Yeah, yeah, it's important. And it's like, you know, well, I'll save that for another time. <laughs> but I think it's about, it's people want development to happen in all their communities, but they don't want development to happen to them. Mm-hmm. And that's how it kind of feels sometimes. It's, it's you want to be able to grow with your community. And there are people that are, are really great and are able to make these investments. And they have this vision for an area and they have the financial resources for the area. And they are able to take advantage of things like tax credits. Like that's why it all exists. Like mm-hmm. nobody really wants just a ton of blighted homes in their neighborhood. Right, right. Nobody wants that. But you don't want it happening like something happening to you. Mm-hmm. It's just the same thing where somebody's speaking at you mm-hmm. instead of speaking with you. So I think it's also important to to understand some of the things that have happened to create the blighted homes to begin with. Like I think that a lot of people focus on gentrification and we focus on the next buzzword of the day and you know different things but you know there was some really 
you know, screwy things that happened, in, especially in that community. You know, like folks came and told them that, you know, because originally that area was redlined where, you know, that's that's where blacks could purchase homes between Dinwiddie and uh, and Hole Street. And, you know, you couldn't go into Oak Grove because that's when a lot of the, you know, white um, factory workers worked. They had their own suburb. And, you know, you know, now, it, of course, it's changed. But I'm talking about back, back, back in the day. And then they someone said, you know what? It would be great to put the Negro apartments here, hmm. a.k.a. the projects. And that wasn't a decision the community made. That was a decision someone made for them. And then years later, these projects are bad. Let's make we're making the decision to take the projects away and they demoed the projects gave that that same area promises of a new you know community with hope six and um they created the what is it the river south apartments they mm-hmm. created um the bhc came in with the south side development they all you know worked together to create homes and there's still streets whole streets that just don't have any development on them so if you just think about the decades and decades of changes that neighborhood have seen has seen and you know there's reasons why people you know, left their houses or, you know, couldn't stay, you know, and and which resulted in a lot of blight and which is unfortunate. And again, am I upset that there's somebody out there that saw a a program uh, that was state and federally funded that said, hey, I should take advantage of that and I can, you know, do a really good job rehabbing these homes. Like, of course, I'm not upset about that. But at a minimum, we must follow the community engagement guidelines Mm -hmm. to make sure that the community is aware so that you're not coming changing your community for someone but you're changing it with them and that's super important so what advice you know as we wrap up here would you have to people who want to get involved as not just with historic districts but overall you know i know you've been involved in community service for a very long time and people that want to step in sometimes it can be intimidating especially when they see just the, the the negativity that sometimes comes out of those moments but what would you say to people that really want to get involved in their communities I'll say this. There's a lot of awesome and cool things going on in Richmond. Uh, you know, a lot of the people who, you, even the folks that have a lot of complaints and are always airing out, you know, negative things or their perceptions of things, they're here. And they're here for a reason because this is a, we live in a dope city and this city is awesome. Um, I, I always tell people that ask me how to get involved. I always, um, the first thing I do is to tell them to attend their, their district meetings. Because a lot of information comes, flows out of those meetings. I think that a lot of times people are just not paying attention to what's going on in their areas. So when changes happen, like a, a bus stop comes or this, they're like, oh, what's going on? And it's like, okay, we've had like years of, you know, surveys and public meetings and nobody was really paying attention. So, um, so first I say find out the, the civic association or the HOA or whatever the, the closest civic association is to you. Um, get involved there. Become active there. And then you can get in at the neighborhood level, then at the district level um, and find your passion. Like everybody's not going to feed the homeless. You know, everybody's not going to do things in the schools. But if you can find something that you're good at or things that you enjoy doing and use that as a way to give back, I think that's always good. So I have a a girlfriend of mine, Sheba. She she does hair. Sheba Joseph. Shout out to her. Sheba Williams. Um, And she uh, does haircuts for kids that, you know, make certain grades or you know excel in certain areas of school i mean that's her craft that's what she likes to do and that's her way to give back so find your ministry exactly okay (laughs) that's a word Mm -hmm. so yeah um 
Yeah, yeah, just find, let your passion lead you to how you want to serve. And there's a lot of areas in the city that... Oh, all of them need help, (laughs) so just pick one. Right, exactly. (laughs) And pick one, jump right in. Yeah, Yeah, Give it a go. Yeah. (laughs) Awesome, well, thank you so much for everything that you're doing in Blackwell and and in just the general Manchester and 8th District and city. And thank you for coming on today. Thank you so much. And we'll see you at city council next time, I'm sure. Yeah, city council, school board, you'll catch me at one of those meetings. Yay. Thanks, Mimi. Thank you. Thank you for listening to RVA Dirt's Municipal Mania on WRIRLP 97.3 FM Richmond Independent Radio. We hope today's guests, Shonda harris Muhammad and Amy Wentz, have inspired you to see what you can do to help your community improve. As always, feel free to get at us on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram at RVA Dirt. And until next time, Richmond, stay classy and stay involved. <laughs>